People versus Constantino Pecardo, GR number 71381, November 24, 1986. The accused appellant stands convicted of the crime of robbery with homicide and has been sentenced to life imprisonment. He asks us to reverse the decision of the trial court because his constitutional rights have been violated. The victim of the offense was a taxi driver whose body was found in the luggage compartment of his vehicle on the morning of May 27, 1982. He had been stabbed 23 times with a ballot song that had later been left on the dashboard of the car. Apparently, Rogelio Florendo had also been robbed for no money was found on his person or in a taxi cab. It was two months later when the accused appellant was picked up by the police in question in connection with the crime. As a result, an information for the said offense was filed against him and his unidentified co-accused was then at large and so was not tried with him. According to the prosecution, Sean Picardo and his companion boarded the victim's taxi cab at about 1 o'clock in the morning of May 27, 1982, and thereafter held him up when he resisted. They stabbed him in different parts of the body and killed him. They then divested him of his money in the amount of 200 pesos placed his body in the luggage compartment luggage compartment of the car which they drove to an abandoned in Yakal Street, Karachi 3 Amunhan Tazim City. There it was discovered with its grisly occupant that same morning by a barangay tenant. The sent to the prosecution witnesses were the victim's wife, Conception Florendo, who testified on the civil damages, Dr. Gregorio Blanco, who performed the autopsy on the victim's body, Pat Teodoro Ibuan, and one of the two policemen who invited the accused appellant for investigation. This last witness and Pat Ernesto Daria declared in a joint affidavit that Ricardo, when questioned, readily admitted his participation in the fatal stabbing of victim Rogelio Florendo after robbing him of his daily earnings amounting to 200 pesos in name Eduardo Azarcon. As his partner in the commission of the said offense, they said they thereafter turned over the accused appellant to the Kassan City Police Headquarters where he signed a statement confessing his guilt. The statement described in detail how the offense was committed and was marked as Exhibit H at the trial. Significantly, however, it was never specifically offered in evidence by the prosecution. The prosecution made much of this confession and argued it could not have been made except by the actual perpetrator of the crime because of its detailed narration, moreover, it had been given the accused appellant voluntarily after he had been apprised of his constitutional rights. The accused appellant took the stand in his defense mainly to renounce this confession. He testified on the physical punishment inflicted on him by the police investigators which ultimately forced him to sign the statement which he said had been prepared unilaterally by them. This testimony was not rebutted, and the decision convicting the accused appellant of trial judge relied strongly. It's not almost mainly on this confession. This is strange because to repeat that piece of evidence was never formally offered by the prosecution for, or, for that matter, even the defense. This document should never have been considered at all because of Rule 132, Section 35 of the Rules of Court, providing as follows Section 35, Offer of Evidence. The court shall consider no evidence which has not been formally offered. The purpose for which the evidence is offered must be specified. According to Moran, the offer is necessary because it is the duty of a judge to rest his findings of facts and his judgment only and strictly upon the evidence offered by the parties at the trial. 
Ms. Demner to the evidence that accused the felon stressed the failure of the prosecution to present this confession, but the prosecutor simply said it was part of its strategy, strategy and left it at that. Despite all this, the trial judge referred in his exhibit to exhibit in his decision to exhibit H as a confession and considered it sufficient basis for the conviction of the accused as a matter of fact. Exhibit H was not the confession but the police referral of the case to the city fiscal of Quezon City dated July 22, 1982. But even assuming that the supposed confession had been formally offered in evidence, we would have to reject it. Just the same because it violates Section 20, Article 4 of the 1973 Constitution. The undisputed evidence is that the confession was obtained without according to the accused appellant the right to counsel and after he had been subjected to physical compulsion and maltreatment. If there was really an interrogation of the accused, the notification of his constitutional rights by the investigating officer was perfunctory and pro forma intended office to merely to satisfy the prescribed norms through a recitation by route of the sacramental advice. Although he was supposedly informed of his right to counsel, he was not told he could get one if he so desired or that one could be provided him at his request. It is a matter of record that the interrogation was made in the absence of counsel, the party, or the official, and that the waiver of counsel, if made at home, was not made with the assistance of counsel as required. It is true that the original requirement laid down in Morales v. Enrile was not supported by the majority of eight required by the Constitution. Nonetheless, the doctrine announced therein was later appeared in People v. Calit, with 14 members of the court voting in favor and only one not taking part. The same rule was only recently reiterated in the case of People v. Season, decided last May. Besides the lack of counsel, there was the violence the accused claimed was inflicted upon him by the police according to him he was undressed boxed kicked hit in the back with a rattan chair and electric shock finally unable to bear the punishment any longer he agreed to sign the prepared confession which he was not allowed to read the prosecution did not introduce any witness to refute his allegations surely a confession obtained under these circumstances cannot stand if we are to obey the mandate of the constitution as we must it is argued, however, that the accused appellant orally committed to Pat Ibuan and Pat Daria that he had killed and robbed Florendo. This admission was made according to the two policemen in their joint affidavit after they apprehended the accused appellant and started questioning him. While Pat Ibuan testified that he informed the suspect, suspect of his constitutional rights at the time of his arrest, there is no record that the admission was made by him in the presence of counsel or that he had previously waived counsel. Additionally, even assuming that the accused appellant was not yet under custodial investigation at the time and that the requirement of Section 20 were not yet applicable, there is still the question of the credibility of these two policemen. One may suppose that in an excess of zeal, the police officer, the peace officers might have colored their statement to ensure the accused appellant's conviction. In any event, this their worry against that of the accused felon who disavowed the admission. When the evidence of the prosecution and the evidence for the accused are weighed, the scale must be tipped in favor of the latter. This is because of the constitutional presumption of innocence the accused enjoys as a counterfoil to the awesome authority of the state that is prosecuting him. The element of doubt, if reasonable, as in this case, must operate against the influence of guilt the prosecution would draw from its evidence. That evidence, as it happens, consists only of the uncorroborated statement of the two policemen, which has previously observed as flawed and therefore suspect. 
The confession which could have corroborated them was not formally offered by the prosecution. In any case, it is void because it was obtained without the advice or even the presence of counsel. Besides having been vitiated by force and threats, the Solicitor General strongly argues that the supposed confession could not have been made by anyone except the perpetrator of the offense because its commission was described in minute detail perhaps so on the other hand it could have been the work of a creative imagination that concocted all the said elements to make a possible tale against the accused appellant the doubt which we cannot brush aside is there we note that at the time that the accused appellant was apprehended and interrogated he was only 17 years old that is a susceptible age one can accept how easily a teenager can succumb to the pressure exerted upon him by hardened investigators experience in extracting confessions through the use of methods less than legal that pressure was in this case irresistible a life has been taken and justice demands that the wrong be redressed but the same justice that calls for retribution cannot convict the prisoner at war whose guilt has not been proved Justi justicia as duplex vis severe punience at at very privance, even at this court must punish, so too must it protect. Conceivably, the conviction of the accused appellant could add another victim in this case. Wherefore, the appealed decision is reversed and the accused appellant acquitted with cost the official. It is ordered, Yap Chairman Nervasa, Melencho, Herrera, and Feliciano JJ concur.